Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel Clark for another episode of Wuxia Workshop. And today we're going to talk about the Cheng Pei-Pei film Lady Hermit, which was made in 1972 and directed by Ho Meng-Hua. It stars Cheng Pei-Pei, uh, Shisu, and Lo Lie. And if I mispronounce any names here, I do apologize. This is uh, a, a sort of one of the later uh, Cheng Pei-Pei Shaw Brothers vehicles. Uh, just before she departed from Shaw Brothers. And it's it's a really impressive movie, in my opinion. We've covered it on uh, Wusha Weekend before. I'm sure I've covered it on the blog before. And this was Joel's first time seeing it. And he's seeing this on the heels of having seen Come Drink With Me and Golden Swallow. And so this film is about a martial heroine named Lady Hermit, also known as uh, Lang Yu Shuang, who is enemies with an evil guy named uh, uh black claw demon i think is that his name in this movie joel black claw demon yeah, it's or just like, black demon it's like black demon emperor black claw demon or something like that yeah. it's, a, it's an intimidating name and uh and so this guy is sort of one of these bullies in the martial world and he's trying to lure her out because he injured her many years ago in a confrontation and he wants to fight her again and so he's going around kind of like in golden swallow using her name as he enacts these horrible schemes against the population where he's selling talismans through a temple and people that don't buy them get murdered in the middle of the night and enter this other character Tui Ping played by Chisu who's um, sort of a younger heroine who wants to become the student of Lady Hermit but through a series of you know there's a lot of stuff that goes on but basically it becomes a love triangle between those two characters and the Lolier character uh, Chang Chun and so uh, and, 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 and it's very interesting how that love triangle leads to the buildup of the final confrontation with, with Black Demon. Um, so before we get into any of the details of the movie, though, I want to know, what was your reaction to the film, Joel? Oh, man, I, I love this movie start to finish. It, it really, it's thoroughly fantastic, and every moment was worth watching. I, I really had a good time. Um, specifically, the, the thing that I really loved, I think, by far the most about it, and there's a lot to appreciate. So this is this is extraordinarily high praise. Is that structure you just mentioned, where the motivations of the characters and the structure of the narrative both have this this incredible unity to them. They're just this well-oiled machine that propels you in this perfect drama cyclone to a, a really great and satisfying conclusion. This movie freaking rules. <laughs> yeah, it's very well crafted. I, I'm always surprised because I'm like, oh, this is how they're getting to the climax, isn't it? You know, it's like, like when you when you get to that, like it all builds up when uh, when the Tweet Ping character returns from going to the mountain and she's jealous at Lady Hermit, who's now starting to have some some degree of intimacy with the Chang character. And and that escalates very quickly. And, and then that's what propels them to to go up against Black Demon earlier than Lady Hermit would like. And it's a, uh, I don't know, just the, the way that the, the drama that fuels it is very engaging. And then it, and then the way that it leads to that payoff at the end when she leaves her sword behind as a wedding gift and departs, you know, it just, it, it really works. Um, so let me ask you this, because you were a little bit disappointed by Golden Swallow in a lot of respects. We had a very long conversation about the role of masculinity in the martial world and this movie, I mean, do you feel, I feel like this movie was, was in some ways a lo, kind of a commentary on Golden Swallow. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. And, it, and, and also there's a lot of callbacks to, to uh, come drink with me. And I feel yeah. like maybe this is sort of 
the sequel that we never got in some respects. With do you know it, what I'm saying? It does feel like a sequel, doesn't it? I mean, I, as far as I know, it's unrelated. But yeah, it it almost feels like this is that same character if we had just seen like the best version that yeah. Golden Swallow could have been. Because there's a lot of similarities, right? Like right down, like the hat's a little bit different, but she has the flat hat that she's wearing in mm-hmm. Golden in, in uh, Come Drink with Me, and she's got a similar type of hat that she wears, but with a veil in this one. And there's also similarities in the character herself. She's very, she's very much a sort of loner type. Do you know what I mean? She she doesn't she doesn't emote readily. She doesn't um, not that she's cold, but she she. She's very task focused and she's putting love aside in order to contend with Black Demon. And I feel like that's the same behavior we would have seen with the original Golden Swallow and Come Drink With Me, but not in the Golden Swallow of the Golden Swallow movie. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, it almost feels like if you went directly from Come Drink With Me and just kind of aged the character, uh, along with the actress, I mean, obviously, by the way, then you really do wind up with this movie. And yeah. that makes it kind of cathartic to watch especially after some of the the mess that golden demon made of that continuity or golden demon let's say golden swallow Uh, Swallow. i want to call it golden demon because of earthbound so but my bad but there were also like a lot of visual callbacks like there's a scene in come drink with me where she does the reverse spin and stabs the guy behind her and in this scene i want to talk about the scene on its own later but in the pavilion revenge scene where she goes and she cuts off the arm and the head and the leg oh that's a great scene the, the last death she just it's it's very elegantly done and it's and it's almost a cliche in martial arts movies at this point where she stabs the guy who's behind her as he, like it's like it, it looks like she doesn't see him and then she stabs him i felt like that was a callback to a, to that scene and another reverse stab scene in come drink with me do you know what i mean uh and i also feel like that moment is uh it that's like the best version of that type of killing i think i've ever seen on screen do you know what i mean that yeah that's, it- Despite being, like you said, kind of a stereotype at that point in in the the creation of those movies, um, yeah, it it doesn't lose any impact. As a matter of fact, I was genuinely surprised by it because that's how it's built. Like that that kind of faux surprise is actually really convincing, especially coming on the heels of all the other carnage that happened in that scene. I was like, ooh, we got to see some, what are we going to see here? uh, But also, remember how there's the scene, the poisoning scene in Come Drink With Me where... Uh, the master uh, drunken cat has to suck the poison out of her. And Mm. the only hint that you get of any sort of romance or intimacy or affection from her character is through the physical pain that she's experiencing. It's almost like a stand in. Do you know what I mean? Like, like she's kind of like she's in pain, but there's also sort of an expression that could be romantic on her face. Do you know what I mean? And it's Mm. ambiguous. I feel like they did something very similar with her waist wound in this film, where the only time that she seems to kind of, have any degree of intimacy with Chang is when she is experiencing the pain from the 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 waste wound. Do you know what I mean? It's and so th- it just seems like very similar personality traits where where she sort of closed off her herself to these kinds of emotions while she's dealing with Black Demon, and they come to the surface in these moments of weakness. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I see that. There's also a, a scene in this movie where her her student does something similar. Where she like fakes an illness to get close to the same character. Yep, yep. So. Well, I, I mean, I want to talk about the the student character because I think so. When we did the discussion on Wushu Weekend, I I made the contention that the reason that Lady Hermit 
gives her that sword as a wedding gift and basically says, you two get married while I go wander the Zhang Ho, mm-hmm. is because she realizes that Chui Ping has the capacity to become Black Demon. Do you know what I mean? That she could become a, an evil villain in the martial world. We see signs of it throughout the whole oh, movie. So it's almost like a forced retirement thing? I, I think that's what she's trying to do. I don't know. Not everybody agreed with me. I think most people disagreed with my conclusion. But but look that's, at it. That's a really compelling theory. So you tell me what these signs were, because I clearly overlooked them. All right. So early in the film, she she's talking to uh, to Chui Ping, and Chui Ping thinks that she's just a servant, and she's telling her about kung fu and how useful it is, and she and she says to Lady Hermit in disguise. Um, you know, that she, that she wants to be the number one person in the martial world. Do you know what I mean? Ah, which, which is what uh, was on the flag that uh, Black Demon had, yeah. right? Yeah, and, she, and, so, and so she clearly, and she says that, she, you know, why, can't, why learn martial arts if you can't show it off? Do you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. okay, so Joel's given me the, the funny eye uh, uh, <laughs> gag, and so that's why I'm trying not to laugh. Um, it makes but, this hard on you, bro. But there's other signs, too. So when... What was the name of the uh, Zhao Bai? That's the name of the horse, right? Uh, Chang lends yeah, her the horse. And he says, you can have the horse as long as you don't whip it. And she says, well, I don't see what the big deal is. And she huffs off, right? And then mm-hmm. and then you hear that dramatic music and you see that expression on Lady Hermit's face. Because Where she's like, Ugh. yeah. And then, this, and then when she's trying to earn the respect of Lady Hermit to become her student, she climbs into the tree and she grabs the, the birds and when, when she shows them to Lady Hermit, Lady Hermit's upset because she's, again, been cruel to animals. Do you know what I mean? And, so, and then during the love triangle thing, when she comes back and she's all jealous, she takes out all of her anger on Chang. And she's, like, being, like, really cruel to him. Do you know what I mean? And then, and then she says that she would kill him if, the, if it wasn't for, like, you know, their, their existing relationship. Do you know what I mean? And so you can just see her going down this. She's got this dark side that Lady Hermit doesn't have. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah, and she's Lady got... Hermit seems like a basically noble hero, and and yeah, there's there's a lot more. Um, there's a kind of a temperamentalness and braggadocio that she shares in common with Black Team, and actually, you might have something there, Brendan. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that's, and so I think that's why she encourages them to get married in that way. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, because like at that point, there's no further reason to practice the martial arts. You guys just, you know, get married, have some kids. <laughs> well, and also, if she, I think, I think what she's worried about is she's thinking that the thing that could set her over the edge is that is that rift between her master and the man that she loves. Do you know what I mean? I, I think that that was the concern because that's the, that's that's a really powerful thing to sort of you know be rejected in love like that. And then have your master end up with the person, right? That would be a pretty difficult thing for a character like Chui Ping to handle responsibly. She did. She had a really hard time handling it. Yeah. Um, she almost but, gets them all killed, right? She just she just runs off before they're ready to really confront Black Demon. And, yes. And she, she and, does and, almost and, get them all killed. And she also almost wipes out a sect single-handedly. Yeah, no, she's definitely quite powerful. Like, I mean, you know, no, no question, no question. But so, uh, so yeah, um, there, there's some. I think the thing that makes that a weaker direct comparison with Black Demon is that we don't know enough about him as a character. Like, his backstory yeah. is unimportant to the movie. Yeah, uh, just because his presence as the villain is enough for it. Now, what did you think of Black Demon? Did you enjoy oh, him as a villain? Oh my god! Okay, 
Remember uh, in Come Drink With Me, where I was complaining about the kind of weakness of the main villain, like they didn't really cast him very well and a lot of presence, up only it had been this actor. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, this guy is amazing. He's charismatic and sneering, and he's got this incredible, like his face and his, like, his movements. Yeah. He has this, like, there's a certain kind of oiliness to him, mm-hmm. but it's backed up by this, this enormous capability. So it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to be underhanded, but I'm still going to win. Yeah, I love this character so much. He's such a good bad guy. No, he's he's great, and I I think the costuming for the character is subtle but very effective. Yes. Um, and the same with Lady Herman. Everybody's got great costuming, even though it's you know it's it's not always completely obvious. And the filmmaking is kind of subtle but effective. Like there are some really tremendous shots, and you don't really notice it until high, you know until you see them later. Do you know what I mean? Like you see them again, and you're like, oh, that was a really good shot of the claws in the foreground with Tree Ping in the background. Do you know what I mean? There's there's a lot of really interestingly done moments in the film. Um, I, think, I think the term of the, the watchword for this whole thing is subtle because you're right. That stuff creeps up on you. It, it's so well enmeshed in everything that's going on that the individual shot doesn't come to the forefront of your mind, but it yeah. sticks in your memory. That's impressive filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, now, uh, what did you think of? Let me rephrase that. How how would you compare? Uh, Lady Hermit to Silver Rock. To Silver Rock as a character? Okay, so in a lot of ways, these are similar characters. Uh, They're extremely powerful, and it's them that you're really following. Like, their journey is the one that informs kind of the beginning and the end of the movie. And uh, much like Silver Rock, that's not apparent from the very beginning of Golden Swallow. Like, Golden Swallow, you're like, oh, we're going to be following Golden Swallow and her friends. But kind of like right right around the one third or so into the movie, right around what we'd consider to be the beginning of Act Two, but I think is actually the end of Act Two in the four act structure. I'm still not clear on exactly how it works. We start to realize that oh no 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 the actual core character that's going on a journey here is this one. The other characters are revolving around this. Yeah. Uh, the the distinction though, and the thing that makes me love the Lady Hermit character and detest the Silver Rock character is that Silver Rock required the other characters. To, to curtail their arcs to orbit him. Yep. Whereas, this character encourages full arcs from every other character. And as a matter of fact, it's kind of drug along in the arc of another one that's technically a supporting character. So we get to see everything from those characters and everything from this one. And so it's, it's more inviting, and it makes it a lot more satisfying to watch. Yeah, it's interesting because they're both very duty-bound. They're both, they both are sort of these loner, sort of heroic types that you know, don't have time for a lot of the, you know, petty things that other people have time for. But he's kind of a, I mean, he's kind of, he's a bit of a psychopath, Silver Rock, right? Like he He is. And his weakness is spiritual, whereas hers is physical. But also to get to the point you made about orbiting, he's, he's selfish. Like he, he kind of forces everybody to have miserable ends because of the path that he's on. Right. Whereas Mm -hmm. she's actually kind of considering, well, how is this going to impact all these other people? And so there's like a key difference in, in their, in just their personality types. And I feel, and again, that's one of the reasons why I feel like this is a direct commentary on Golden Swallow, um, where, and again, the, the Silver Rock character, for people that are listening but haven't heard our previous episode, that's basically the chief pr- protagonist of Golden Swallow, the, the movie by Cheng Che, that also stars Cheng Pepe. Huh? The Mary Sue of that movie. Yeah. Well, we, we, you, people should listen to our podcast to get into that debate on, um, uh, on, the, on, on the, silver, the, the Mary 
suiness of um, Silver Rock. Um, make a very convincing argument, people. Well, I'll, I'll <laughs> let people go back and review it. I do want to say I think we'd have to have a whole discussion on what exactly a Mary Sue is and why it's bad. Yeah. But uh, I think that's for another episode because there's no real Mary Sues in this in this movie, I think. So I don't think it would be relevant uh, oh, to this uh, discussion. Uh, there's no one character that the, the rest of the movie hurts itself to indulge. And I think that's the... If you want to talk about a critique of a movie, like the Mary Sue critique is that, that the rest of the, 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 rest of the characters, the rest of the narrative, the rest of the whole thing is injured by the presence of one character that just kind of warps the rest of it to its gravity. I mean, the, I guess the way that I put it is bo- both characters are very... I mean, Lady Herbert's a very masculine character in a lot of ways, right? But she's much more balanced than Silver Rock. Silver Rock is very masculine, but he's he's kind of... He's reckless. Do you know what I mean? Like everything he's doing is very destructive and everything that Lady Hermit is doing, she's, she's, she engages in destruction during the movie. Like when, when the master of the escort company gets killed and his family gets killed, she immediately goes on revenge and it's, and it's, and it's just as, it's just as brutal as, is when Silver Rock goes on a revenge path, but she, she leaves it at that. You know what I mean? She doesn't, she doesn't like, she doesn't just continue on murdering people and yeah, and so, she didn't so kill like the sing song girls that were present. You know, I mean, there were th- she 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 only harmed the people that were directly involved. Yeah, I, and that that argument could be made for Silver Rock, but I think you're right. There, there's a certain kind of juggernaut quality to Silver Rock, and there's a lot more like I want to. I don't really want to say consideration, but there's more like a an actual awareness of the situation that Lady Hermit possesses that Silver Rock doesn't even give one crap about. I feel like Lady Hermit is more mature and. I like Silver Rock. I, I, I like I like both the characters, but I would rather spend time with Lady Hermit than Silver Rock. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, yeah, I'd be a little different. concerned about spending a day with Silver Rock because I don't know where it would end. You know, I don't but, know that I'd live through a day with. I don't know yeah. if I'd live through like a whole sentence with Silver Rock. Yeah, you might like, not. You might say the wrong thing, and that would be it. You know, oof, top of my head goes flying off. I, I get a feeling that Lady Hermit might give me a disapproving scowl, but I wouldn't get a sword in the face. No, and she's and she's still very old school and very like. Um, you know, her temper can be ferocious, right? Like, we see her get angry at Tree Ping a number of times. But it's all with the ultimate aim of helping Tree Ping to cultivate and be a better person. It's not It's not just, you know, I don't know how to put it. It's just there's, Silver Rock is on a path, and nothing is going to deter him from that path. And Lady Hermit has a very different yeah. type of person. I almost want to say Silver Rock is the more radical character, because he really has kind of a Western ethos to him. Like, he's yeah. very selfish as a hero. Yeah. And that doesn't really—I don't know if I'd describe Lady Hermit as selfish necessarily. She actually seems quite the opposite. No, she's selfless. She's um she's putting aside all the stuff that she wants in order to you know live up to these ideals that she's embraced. Do you know what I mean? Like her whole you know she, really she wants to be in love with Chang, right? Like that's clear in the movie. She she would much you know she she has strong feelings for Chang. The master of the escort company has that whole conversation with her. Where he's like, look, you know, if you have romantic feelings, you should you know be honest about them don't don't lock them up and you know and he's very worried about her very worried for her uh for her future and that scene also is one of the things that makes the revenge scene so much more powerful when it comes up but uh but she's it's it's sort of a similar theme to like the one that uh um was in um what was it crouching tiger hidden dragon where you have these characters that are duty bound and they can't really they they can't um they can't uh, 
Uh, well, they can't really pursue their their desires or their wants, or even necessarily something that would be you know kind of considered healthy. Because again, I, I could I basically am forced argumentatively to level the same critique at Lady Hermit that I did at Silver Rock, in that really they're kind of unhealthy uh, when you think about them in terms of like what, what we as modern human beings consider to be like healthy functional individuals. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily impugn her heroism like it does with Silver Rock. Silver Rock hurts so many people even people that care about him. So that he, his tragedy is marred by his selfishness, and I just don't feel that with Lady Hermit. Well, I, I don't even know that she's unhealthy. Like, I don't see anything <laughs> wrong with her approach to the world. She's, um... she's un, What she's understanding is that you you can only devote yourself 100% to one thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And in her world, she has to... She's either got to be 100% in love, or she's got to be 100% in you know, the hero to oh, deal with sure. Black Demon. If she if, if she starts doing like, okay, I'm going to be 75% heroic Lady Hermit and 25% in love with Chang, it's not going to work on either end, right? She's going to she's gonna let the people down or she's going to let Chang down or both, you know what I mean? So... Yeah, um, actually, now that you think about it, uh, both my, my argument for ill health kind of comes from the whole idea of the Zhang Hu where... You're maybe not the most functional person if you go into the martial world and from a Chinese perspective. But also, when you think about it, structurally in the movie, they, uh, she gives her student the same argument that she got at the beginning of the movie. If you're in love with someone, you should settle down and devote yourself yeah. to them. She gives – and like what she's basically saying is I'm not going to – I'm going to be heroic and selfless here. I'm going to walk the path of the hero. Why don't you not though? Why don't you do what I couldn't do? Well, and also she made a vow. She's she's trying to live up to a vow that she's made. So it's not like she has a choice. You know, if she doesn't, if she if she doesn't, you know, keep her promise to deal with Black Claw or Bla a Black Demon, then she's a liar. Do you know what I mean? That's a big deal in Zhang Hu. It's not it's not a minor it's not a minor thing. So so you know, there's you know, there's sort of this you know duty and honor and and love all kind of intertwined here. And I I, I think it makes for an interesting film as a result. And and I also think she's trying to be a good teacher to Chui Ping as well. So, you know, there's that in the mix too. Because yeah. she doesn't even realize Chui Ping is in love with Chang. That's one of the, that's what leads to the triangle in the first place. Yeah, that, well, I as an audience member didn't realize that he was in love with Lady Hermit until like right near the point where they show you that really explicitly. Then I was like, oh, oh, that's what's going on. Because there's some hint of that early in the movie where he says the first half of a poem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, she knows the second half. And I was like, what's that all about? Do they know each other? Yes. Yes, they do, Joel, you idiot. So I, didn't, I didn't pick up on that subtly, apparently. Um, well, and the, and the whole conversation with the, the chief of the escort company, you know, is sort of, that's the man that they're talking about, obviously. Didn't um, dawn on me. I was, I was totally baffled. I, I should have been blindsided by that. I was dumb, but I was blindsided. It actually made it satisfying to watch, so. And then you can see Lady Hermit start to understand why Chui Ping is getting upset. Do you know what I mean? It sort of dawns on her in two moments, I think, in the, uh, uh, you know, when after Chui Ping returns. And so it's a, I, I feel like Lady Hermit, uh, you know, again, it's interesting to compare the endings of the movies, right? Because in, in Golden Swallow, Silver Rock pretty much ruins everybody's life, right? Like that's... Oh. That's God, the ending. What That's a jerk. Um, like, like you know, like like it, for those who didn't listen to our other podcast, he and I had a very long argument or debate about this oh, topic, man. and uh, and so I was very pro Silver Rock. He was very anti Silver Rock. But I think you, one thing you have to 
agree on is yeah nobody gets what they want at the end of that movie you know it's a it's, yeah, it's every, pretty miserable yeah uh and in this movie nobody gets what they want but maybe they get what's best for them <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? some people got what they wanted when you think about it i mean because really everybody at least accomplishes their goal kind of you know because black demon zed made in this movie you know lady hermit kills him uh in, in a really great scene by the way uh which which has several false climaxes before it actually ends mm-hmm. which i liked yeah, um, she, yeah, she she has a, she has like a like eight daggers strapped to her chest, and she she keeps sticking two in at a time, and 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 it's great because they've explained sort of what her tactic and the technique is that she's going to be using against him is. So mm-hmm. it it really works when when the moment happens. But it's just great to watch her. She stabs him in the the back. She stabs him in the kidney. She stabs him, I think, in the chest or something like that. And then she stabs him in the head. Right. She- Finally gets him in the head. Yeah. yeah, I want to point out that until the third set of daggers, it's not even clear if he's been hurt by this. Yeah. Like, this guy is... They do a good job of establishing him, but they also do a good job of that paying off in the combat because he's such a monstrous fighter. It's really cool. The, the kidneys is where you start to see him really look like he's hurt, I think. I think that's the yeah. one where... Because who but, wants to get stabbed in the kidney? You know, that's right. Nice. And he, he emo- the first one, his emotion, like the, from the, the just the facial expression is, you think that would stop me? Yeah. The second one, he's like, okay, you got two good licks in. The kidneys, like his face is saying, oh, that's not good. That hurt. Uh, I'm, no, no. And he's also he's like, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say, she's, he's also uh, kind of giving her respect over the course of that battle. Like he's like saying, your martial arts have improved. Like it's a very, there's kind of a cool exchange of dialogue between those characters over and the course of the battle that, that last battle is super freaking rad there, there's a lot to love about this movie really like a lot of scenes have that kind of impact in this movie uh the the fight scene uh the whole last every scene in it is its own like wonderful little mini movie that is great uh my favorite scene of all of them in, in that sequence is when lady hermit and um her fellow, I can't remember that dude's name. Chang. You've said it like eight times. Chang? Is that okay, so I, I always mess that up. They arrived slightly after her student just got done wrecking some dudes, and a new pile of bad guys show up, and they have to fight them in that little like roadside tea house thing, whatever it is. Yep. Because I wasn't anticipating just how brutal the deaths were going to be in that yeah. scene, and it came as both a shock and delight, because, man, they tear some people apart in that scene. Yeah, no, th- this is a yeah. this is a deceptively bloody movie. Like you don't realize cuz especially if you're comparing it to Golden Swallow cuz that's just like rampantly bloody. But some of the scenes in this are really uh really graphic. Um it's not over the top, but it, it makes its point really well. My favorite scene is the the revenge scene at the pavilion. That that one to me yeah, We got to talk about the pavilion yeah. scene real quick. That, that one deserves That one yeah. Number 1. Okay, here's what I like about that movie. That's the emotional high of the whole film. Right. Like that's that's the moment that so much of the film has been building up to. They lay all the groundwork for that just to get you in the state of mind where you want her to get revenge for the the chief of the escort company. And I love how there's that scene between her and Lolier where Lolier, the chain character, is wounded. He's the only survivor. And he comes to her and he explains what happens. And he's and, and and she just gets this look on her face and she says, I, she says something like, I will get my revenge, like, three times, and she's screaming at the top of her lungs. And it's the first time we've really even seen that level of, like, that loss of control for the character. I mean, she's always yeah, in control. She flips out, man. Yeah. 
And so then we get this great cut where you suddenly see these women dancing from above. It's sort of like a tea, tea house brothel or something. I don't, it's, it's a, you know, some kind of brothel situation. And the, the bad... That's a really good establishing shot, by yeah. the way. Just to yeah. point out for the viewers, you need to see it. It's, it's beautiful. And yeah. it, it, it does a real job, real good job of kind of like bringing you into this scene. Yeah, because it's like a, it's you see them from above and they're sort of twirling around and dancing. And then you see them dance up to the guys who are responsible for killing the chief of the escort company. And then, you know, when when uh, Lady Hermit makes her appearance, she 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 leaps in. I think she kills a couple of people, but then she corners the bad guys in the pavilion and she says, I'm going to take y- your arm and I'm going to take your leg and I'm going to take your head. And or I, no, she says, I want your head. I want your leg. I want your arm. And then it's kind of like she's like she she goes and she does exactly those things. And then yep. and then and then the cherry on top is the reverse impalement of the guy that she, you know, didn't even, you know, she didn't even address in the conversation. Um, yeah, we that guy fights before that in the movie and he's built up as kind of like a mini boss, like mm-hmm. a guy who's reasonably badass. He goes out like a chump, mm-hmm. like she just eviscerates the dude. Um like, like he's an extra. But I, I just love this idea that she's telling them how she's going to beat them. Like, it's like when a master pool player is, you know, saying, oh, what, you yeah. know, where the, where the, where the balls are going to go. Right. It's that kind Her of a thing. Could do that. He was in the air force back in the day. And apparently in Alaska and the air force, you play a lot of pool. Okay. So that, that guy, he, he really should have been a pool shark. He was unbelievable, which was great because the guy was like over seven foot tall and 300 plus pounds of German. He's a very big guy. Uh, so seeing him almost dance around a pool table was pretty great. I cannot play pool to save my life, but nope. But 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 I but but you see what I'm saying, right? Like it's a um, no, it, it's, it, it's you get the same satisfaction out of it. Yeah, and and also it's just like it just shows her mastery of her martial art. Like she, she you know she, she she's that. It's it's not even like arrogance or cockiness. It's just like she, it, it's just it's, determination and knowledge of just how skillful she is. Mm-hmm. And again, you can draw a comparison with Silverrock there, because Silverrock had that same kind of confidence. The, the difference being that he didn't really have the style, you know? He, he never, like, walked in and was like, okay, here's how you're going to die. It's yeah. almost a Tarantino movie. I, I, I yeah. keep comparing stuff to Quentin Tarantino, it's pretty clear to see what inspired him for some of the stuff he made. Well, and it's funny because if, if, if Silverrock did do that, he he'd be enjoying himself a lot. I mean, he, he you'd see him smiling yeah. when he when he delivers a line like that. Where she was doing it in anger. Do you know I mean? It, and so there's it a, it a difference I think between these characters. Um, you know, it, I and and I I don't know, but but that scene I think is great. And I also think this is just a great vehicle for Cheng Pepe. It it really showcases her talents in a way that you know uh, some of the movies don't always give you all of her talent do you know what I mean this movie you really get a sense of her full skill set as a as an action uh, actor and as a as an actor in general you know yeah yeah it, she got to spread her wings in this one quite a bit and you know what I, I was I've been waiting for it ever ever since come drink with me I was I was waiting to see more of what Cheng Pei Pei can do and man she she rules in this movie. This movie rules. There's, I mean, there's a bunch of movies that she's been in like that. You know, there's like Lady of Steel. There's Shadow Whip, which this movie kind of harkens to because she uses a whip in that film. And the the um, uh, the Chui Ping character uses a whip very, you know, for the first half of the movie, at least. Yeah, uh, I, I would like to point out she actually abandons the whip in favor of Lady Hermit's sword later on. 
because she's uh, learning so under with, Lady Hermit, so she yeah. yeah. So the the new style is manifesting. That's cool. I, I I don't think I've ever seen that in a movie before, where someone actually abandons an initial style to go with their new master's style. That's that's really rad. And what I think would that's, be cool is maybe later on she can kind of reconcile those two uh, those two things. You know, oh, too busy um, being married. Well, that's the question. Like, what do you think happens? Do you think? Uh, do you think? Because she says after she gets that note, she says, "I'm going to find Lady Hermit, no matter what." Right? Like she, 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 she's up. She's moved by the letter, but she's more determined to be her student, I think, than before. Uh, I don't. I don't think that romance is going to quell her desire for mastery of the martial world or to be a hero. No, I, I mean, like her, her future husband, if that's what's going to go on there, is also a martial hero in his own right and has the same training. So, yeah, they're just going to kick ass to the martial world. That's that's my take on it. That's I, my that's my dream movie. It's my headcanon. I would love to see a sequel to this film. I think I think and I think a sequel could still be made. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Well, Chang Pepe is still alive, and you, you know, oh, she's still yeah, acting. Yeah. She's still acting. So, you know, what's to say you don't have like a lady hermit when she's you know the you know like 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 you know several decades later, right? It's, it doesn't have to be a sequel that takes place you know you know that early in her life. Um, Okay, so, so if you were gonna do it, if you were gonna do it, would it be they're trying to find her and they do, or would it be like they abandon their search and become the new villains, and Lady Hermit has to come out of retirement and fight them? I, I would want to be surprised. I don't know what the best storyline is. I think the one that I would gravitate towards to is one like what you just said, which is for whatever reason they become nefarious in some respect or at least one of them does and that's the thing that forces lady hermit out of retirement again i almost would want that to be a surprise though i would want it i'd want us to think we're just getting a lady hermit movie with lady hermit facing a new villain and then i'd want to be surprised to learn oh no it's actually this couple that she she tried to help ages ago do you know what i mean um, or, yeah, or a huge mistake. Yeah, or, or or something. I don't know. I don't know what the the. Well, I, it would it be great to have that scene where Lady Hermit, or maybe even Lady Hermit's like new protege, goes to the temple where these guys are, and that old tattered banner that says "Number One of the Martial World" is like fluttering from the top turret, and that like for us the audience we're like, oh no, only one person can have that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, stuff like that would. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it would ever happen or maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe somebody did make a sequel and I don't know about it, but I, I think this is a film that really could, uh, could be done again. Uh, you know, if, uh, I mean, I don't know what the realities of, uh, of, um, you know, you know, getting, getting Chang Pepe back into a role like this would be, but I, I think it would be useful and it would be interesting. God, it would be amazing. I mean, obviously, Lolier's passed away, so you wouldn't be able to bring him back. Um, yes. But, but uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure Chisu is still alive. She was born in like the '50s. And... Well, you could even like weave that into the movie. Like you could say, yeah. like his heart never really gave up Lady Hermit, and so she got jealous and killed him. Well, you and know, that, that was her descent into darkness. You know. Well, you know, it's uh, and he actually died of a heart attack, I believe, um, in real life. Uh, he died pretty young. I think he was in his '60s, if I recall. Oh, he was. He wasn't that old. Um, but. Uh, but I think I think it would you know I don't know whatever they would do I think I think it would be kind of cool I don't know maybe it's not a maybe the memory of this movie isn't as strong as it needs to be for a sequel to be made but I uh, it, I don't it, know what its impact was what was that I don't know what it's like its cultural impact at the time was 
Uh, I, mean, I know for me, like, this is a big impact because it's quite a movie. I mean, that Lady Hermit outfit, which actually she was wearing that in a previous movie called The Brothers Five. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't believe it was meant to be the same character, but I could be wrong. Um, but that outfit that she has on, that is iconic, right? Like that, you've seen that in multiple places. Yeah, I've I'm seen sure. that before. Yeah. I've seen that in your game, buddy. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, oh. so so let's get into gaming now that now that you've raised the topic. Um, Wandering Years of Orgate totally is like shamelessly inspired by, by Lady Hermit in a number of ways. Number one, one of the first pieces of art that we had done for it uh, I took the uh, there's that there's a classic shot of Cheng Pei Pei and Chisu sitting back to back or standing back to back as they're facing uh, Black Demon, and I had the artist use that image as sort of the basis, and I said you know do something different with it, make it interesting, and so that so you see an image like that in the book I'll, after the podcast I'll point it out to you. Um, oh, cool. Red Claw Demon Gang, they're based on Black Demon and his guys, you know what I mean, and and Lady Whiteblade is based on Lady Hermit. Except she's evil. It's an evil yeah, version the, of Lady Hermit. She's the villainous version of her, right? What was that? Yeah, yeah she's the, the villainous version of her. She's, she's the villainous version, but also, if, if you're a player in a Watering Heroes of Oregon Gate game, you might want to turn this off because this is like secret information. But, dun, dun, dun. but she's secretly the twin of Strange Phoenix, who is the number two of Red Claw, uh, of Red Claw Gang, right? Ow. And so, And so here's what's interesting about that. If you watch Lady Hermit, there's somebody pretending to be Lady Hermit. So there's kind of like a twin figure in the film that looks just like her. Um, but in Ogregate, it was actually just an accident. The artist, I accidentally gave her, uh, you know, like I'll send I'll send the artists model images of who I want them to base the characters on or whatever. And mm-hmm. I sent the same one on accident for Lady Whiteblade and, and Strange Phoenix. And <laughs> and so the, the artist pointed this out to me. Cause she thought they were the same character. And I said, Oh no, they're meant to be different. And she's like, well, do you want me to redo the characters? And I said, no, you know what? I'll make a backstory that they're secretly twins and that'll be more interesting. And you can just do something visually to sort of denote the difference between them. Like give one like a different hairstyle or something. Uh, I would like to point out that I love your artist. Oh, like, she's she great. Yeah, really Jackie cool. Musto is the artist and she's phenomenal. She, she does a really good job. And it was things like that that, number one, it was very courteous for her to bring that to my attention and to ask to offer to change it. But I love that it led to this really amazing place where it added something to the game setting that I didn't initially plan on adding. So that uh, is that is a really cool story. Yeah, it was it was it, there's a lot of stuff like that with Ogre Gate and, and ja- Jackie's very um, I got a lot like uh, she's very good at giving me feedback to help me make good choices when we're doing art do you know what i mean so you know it's it's very it's very because it's very easy to to give bad art direction and so uh, yeah so, so she I've, gives I've me a big hand in my day so yeah yeah, yeah. much like you i've been blessed with good artists like people that are like did you mean this or perhaps i'm like oh yes yeah. thank you i'm glad you know what you're talking about that makes but, one of them. but but not just that but the whole picture do you know what i mean like the whole picture of all the art that's involved like things other things will get considered um so so yeah so i don't know how would you approach gaming this what's what's your take on on the gamification of lady hermit Ooh, yeah that's a good that's a good question um well one of the things that struck me in the movie that i actually really liked and it already has some dna in the in legends of the wulin weapons of the gods and in, in my game tian shang 
is the kind of lingering wound that Lady Hermit gets. Like, she gets hit with super powerful technique, and it injures her torso, and for apparently years afterwards, she has, like, this lingering injury there that just stays around. And uh, the the mechanics for that uh, are the chi imbalance mechanics from those things, which are, are based on, I, I want to say is based on Jenna Morin's design. And if you don't know much about Dr. Morin's uh, RPG design, she's a very particular kind of character. Uh, she used to be known as Rebecca Borgstrom before she changed her name. And if you ever heard the term Borgstromancy, you'll you'll kind of understand that her game design is... Um, what games has she made, just so people can... Uh, Nobilis uh, was one of the big ones. She was a big contributor to the early Exalted stuff. Um, I want to say she did some Mage. Uh, most recently, Chubo's Marvelous Wish Granting Engine, which I think she has a Patreon for. Which You've mentioned uh, that game a lot, by the way. You should run it for uh, me do. so that I can experience it. Okay, so the genius of Jenna Morin is that she understands one of the dimensions of games that never really gets talked about in game manuals, which is kind of like the conversational dimension. Because we as, as game players have a rules dimension we interact with, and we also have kind of that that like shared imagined space, what, what yeah. I have been terming the shared mind space, which is just whatever reality the game is, is portraying. But there's another dimension too, and that's just kibitzing around the table and talking with your friends. And, and the way Dr. Morin considers that is, is, is a central focus of how her game mechanics operate. Mm-hmm. So there's some real brilliant design there because it's just space that no one really ever thinks about, considers, or talks about, and so they certainly don't put mechanics to it. Okay. So you have to understand that you're, you're basically approaching her games as though you were having a conversation with your friends. Okay. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm going a little off topic. The, the point is that the, the wound mechanics she did were pretty interesting. Because they had two manifestations. You took a wound, it would either manifest as a, just a kind of a mechanical negative, like you, you have to lose so many dice or whatever, which is a little more classic. But you could also simply describe the way it was impacting your character in a convincing enough way that you didn't have to take a mechanical penalty. That The, the penalty manifested in the restrictions to your actions and how you interacted with the world. And that dichotomy, that, that contrast of choosing... What, how the, the injury manifested is extremely interesting in the, the kind of gameplay situations it drives. Okay. It, uh, so I, I like that a lot. I like, I like and, and because of the nature of how injuries work, they can kind of stick on your character like a status effect mm-hmm. for basically ever. And you could kind of operate, uh, you could kind of inform the character around the injury a little bit. Okay. Like with Lady Hermit, clearly she's taking like a, a physical penalty, like an actual negative when she does certain things. Yeah. So she can't do those without accepting some consequence. And that's an element of the character that you can just turn into this really simple, like little, you know, tag that you basically put onto a character and say, when this happens, you will do this kind of like a character flaw. So no, um, that stuff's great. And yeah, uh, like I, I did that in a, in the game I'm working on the righteous blood game. Um, we have a death and maiming table you roll on when you get reduced to beyond your max wounds. And one of the things that can come up is a fistula. And a fistula is basically like that. It's exactly the kind of thing that she might be suffering from. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know the nature of her injury. We never actually see it. But you can yeah, imagine. I'm sorry? It's, it manifests more in its effect than its, than its description. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, I was thinking, oh, it's probably like a fistula when I was watching the movie. Do you know what I mean, that would be the most sensical thing because she was kind of impaled by those claws. And it's kind of like a bullet wound or something. Like when people get mm. shot in the stomach or whatever, they'll often develop fistulas. Um, that's why they put wick in there to sort of, you know, uh, to, 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 you know, to, when, when it's when, so it can drain and heal properly and all that stuff, um, mm. which I, I know is probably 
not stuff people want to hear uh, if, they're, if they're eating at the moment. Well, when you're but, talking about the nature of injury, uh, you do have to go into some pretty squicky territory, unfortunately. Yeah, no, it's true. And I should say, I have fistulas, so I know exactly, I know what they feel like. Um, and, well, they suck. and so, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that, 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 that's why I think, you know, this is a really cool topic for a conversation because I feel like that is something that you see in a lot. You don't just see it in this genre, by the way. We, you know, it's in Excalibur too, right? The old wound is mm. is kind of similar to the thing that Lady Hermit is dealing with, and it's uh, um, it's something that is I think useful to model mechanically in a game, uh, but particularly in this genre. You know, you can have a a, a lingering injury that uh, that it sort of adds a personality trait to the character. Do you know what I mean? It's like it a, does. It- and it adds an element that is both dramatically and strategically important. And that's one of the things that I think is is kind of critical about these injuries in, in the context of these movies is that we as an audience experienced a whole lot of, um, of apprehension because, as you said, she was sort of forced to approach uh, Black Demon while still suffering from this injury. And we, we realized that this injury is the reason she stopped fighting him in the first place. It was the thing that was going to make her lose and die. So, um, and I don't think the injury is going anywhere anytime soon because she's been nursing it for like what three years? She said. Yeah, it it seems to still be there, and there's no exploration of healing it. Hmm. So, I mean, I I I think that um, yeah, no, and also it's a uh, it it reminds you of how powerful Black Demon is, right? Because you, you're thinking to yourself every time this injury comes up, she's like the number one martial hero. Like she's like the person that is like the greatest hero in the world, and yeah. she's got this tremendous wound from this guy. So it 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 it, it makes you think. It, it sort of gets in your head. This guy is dangerous, and and that could be useful in a game too. Like if an, if you meet an NPC and he's got some kind of horrible injury from a person that the players may have to face one day. It really plants that idea of this guy is dangerous. Be very careful with this character. It, it's a it's a Chekhov's gun scenario. It, it foreshadows because it's not just oh I was hurt in battle with him. It was no he used this technique mm. and it injured me in this way for my whole life. Yeah, it's the second that dude shows up in your game and starts brandishing his devil claw, your players are going to crap their pants. Yeah, yeah, no, t- definitely. Um, one of the things that I was thinking of is is cliches in martial arts movies and cliches in gaming and how number one, like the villain, he's a pretty, you know, he, you, you don't need like this really meandering and, 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 and twisting backstory for the character. He's fairly simple. He's just all about wanting to be the number one martial arts guy in the martial world. Right? Like that's all he really, he seems to care about that and money. I, I don't really see any other, any other big I, motivations? He cared about money. I think he mostly cared about uh, drawing Lady Hermit back with yeah. his scheme. I think the yeah, money I think was you're incidental. Right. What was that? I think the money was basically incidental. Mm. So, so you know, he's he's pretty much motivated by the you know these very simple things. I that's a perfectly serviceable motivation for a villain in a campaign. And sometimes you can be tempted to be like, well, I need to make it all elaborate and convoluted, or I need to make it different. Right. But, but you risk doing an Anakin Skywalker from Darth Vader there, mm-hmm. where you've added just too much to his backstory that he yeah. kind of loses the thing that made him compelling as a villain in the first place. Well, and the other thing is, you 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 shouldn't assume that your players are as familiar with Wuxia as you are, right? Like, mm-hmm. you have to... Int- so back in the day, I remember there was this period 
in D&D where a lot of the adventure advice was like, avoid all of the cliches, like avoid dragons, avoid, you know, X, Y, all the stuff that we've seen before. We've seen it. We don't need to see it again. The problem with that is what about new players who haven't seen that stuff before, right? They're missing out on the, on, on, on the, on the stuff that, that got us all excited about the genre in the first place. So when my experience running these games is most players are not, I mean, you'll, there are exceptions. I've had players that know a lot about Usha, but oh, most yeah, but, players don't. But even if they do, like even if you or I approached a game like this and there was a character like Black Demon as the bad guy, he's still compelling. No, he is. I don't, you don't need anything super special to hook me. Just portray him in an interesting way and make it what he represents in the campaign apparent. And there you go. You're done. But, You're out. Done. But I guess what I was going to say is when it comes to cliches and stereotypes and things like like stereotypes in the sense of like a stereotypical character, not in the yeah, don't do racial stereotypes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you 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 don't need to worry so much about avoiding cliches in general. You need to worry about what has become cliche in my campaign so far, right? Like yeah, like like a villain like Black Claw or Black Demon, he's not cliche the first time you throw him at a group that's never seen him before, right? Like they if they haven't if they're if they're not super familiar with Wusha, if they haven't played in a lot of your campaigns, it'll be exciting the first time. And then over time, you'll start to know when players are finding things cliche. And then that's when you can you sort of throw things at them that are going more against expectations. Do you know what I mean? But I think it's helpful to give them a proper introduction to the genre. Do you know what I mean? Give them an introduction that shows them the basic elements without trying to be too clever. Do you know what I mean? The cleverness yeah. can come later. It's, uh, it's easy to, to kind of outsmart yourself with that stuff. And what you'll find is that your character winds up losing a lot of impact to them because instead of it being just this really kind of straight kind of bullet character, which is mm. he's bad, he wants to be number one, and he's got an evil claw. Boom. Yeah. He's this much more convoluted thing. And they're like, remember that guy whose backstory we don't remember? And they'll give him a stupid name. They'll call him, like, you know, Broomhead or something. And he'll die eventually, and they'll go on to the next actually compelling character. Uh, players remember the impact that the bad guy has on them. They don't necessarily remember the backstory and the weight of that backstory. Yeah. And and I did want to say something about duty and, re- and reputation, because I think that's important. I mean, obviously that matters in this movie, because you see that she has a reputation that comes up an awful lot. And you, and, and to the point that uh, uh, Tui Ping rejects that whole notion that Lady Hermit is even behind the, the temple uh, shenanigans because she knows that's something that Lady Hermit wouldn't do. It's not what she's reputed to do. And so I think if you want reputation to matter, if you want duty to matter, if you want players to do things like Lady Hermit is doing in this movie where she is uh, you know, following the vow that she's made rather than fulfilling her own happiness, then you need to make the world like actually care about those kind of things, right? Like you need to, you need to, like it needs to come up. She would see nuts if there wasn't a broader martial world that took saying a vow seriously. Yeah. You know, that has to have weight somewhere. Yeah. And so, you know, just as an example, say you have a player character that's always telling the truth. Like he's kind of known for being honest. And if that's the case, then you can have NPCs be aware of that fact. You know what I mean? And, and, and have it come up, have, have, you know, you know, if there's a moment where the player is reporting on something and people are skeptical, you can have somebody step forward and say, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, iron handed Juan, he always tells the truth. So why wouldn't he, why would he be lying now? Do you know what I mean? You can have oh, yeah. things like the, that happen. Really? 
and you can do that in any game, by the way. It doesn't have to be Wuxia, but especially in Wuxia, I think that reputation is is what is used as evidence in a lot of cases, mm. you know? Yeah, rep- reputation has real meaning in a setting like that. I mean, it has a meaning, like you said, in a lot of settings. But if you, if you want it to, if you want it to be, you know, uh, something that the players actually engage with, it has to come up, you know, from time to time, you know, in in, in the NPCs, in the institutions, and things like that. You know, you you know, try to be aware of it is is sort of how I would say, you know, like, like yeah, I, and like another thing that I like to do actually in games and players eat this up so definitely steal this from gm advice is if you start the players at a low level and they they do a couple of what you probably maybe consider like sort of boring missions or whatever they get like from level one to level three in D terms um have npcs they don't know recognize them by their deeds and their identity so like just you know they go into like a tavern in some new place and like oh hey it's the heroes of of bro- broken axe pass Remember that battle? Sing that, sing the Broken Axe Pass song with these guys in it. Players love that. They, they, you're just like, wow, we're heroes in this world. What yeah. we did mattered. Yeah, yes. no, that's that's very important. That's very important. I, I do that a lot, and it's not just a good thing. Like, if they piss somebody off, that those people, that person is going to want to have a name to call the players by, right? And he's not going to want to call them by their individual names. So oh, yeah. he's going to need a term, and so that's you know that. That that's that usually comes up pretty quickly in my games where whatever whatever the players are famous for, that's kind of what they get labeled as. Do you know what I mean? Oh, the heroes of the you know the the heroes of the banyan or the heroes of this or the you know uh, it might it might be negative. You know they might be referred to as a gang or as the killers of of this particular region. You know what I mean? Um, you know the killers of Lifan or something. You know like just things like that. Um, I think, uh, you know, I had one player, he, he went mad. He had like some kind of fire deviation thing go on with him where he, he went crazy and he started killing people that were having, I don't know why, but he, he was targeting wedding car- caravans for some, for some, for some reason. So that became his thing. He was like, you know, like the, the I forget what they called him, but it was related to weddings. Do you know what I mean? It was like it was a, kind of a wedding killer. It was like the that. bride <laughs> killing or the groom killing maniac or something like that. You know, the um, groom killing maniac would be such a cool name. Yeah. <laughs> Look um, out. Don't get married. He'll kill you. I, I forget. I forget. I might be misremembering. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'll have to it's ask the player. Wonderful. But, but again, Wusha gives you an opportunity to, to, make unusual nicknames like that and to have people respond to them and not only respond to the name, but also to the reputation involved with it. And that's freaking great at the table. I love that stuff. Yeah. I eat it up too. Like I'm no, nick- softy for that stuff. Nicknames are important. It's important. Like a lot of times in these games, you let the players pick their martial nickname, but that doesn't mean that people aren't going to also assign them other monikers over the course of the game. You know? Yeah. That's, like- that's, stuff, that's two ways. Your characters will give stupid names to things in Wuxia, especially, you can have that stuff stick. Yeah, and that's just hilarious. And that's relevant because we have two characters that have nicknames. We have Black Demon and we have Lady Hermit. Do you know what I mean? These are characters that have been named. You know, it's obvious why she's Lady Hermit. You know, what I mean, that's a that's a pretty, uh, pretty self explanatory. And I think Black Demon, we kind of get the the un, the reason for that too. Um, you know, he dresses all in black. He's got like black claws and he just, he just has like a darkness about him and everything. Glorious black eyebrows. So, um, so, you know, nicknames are, you know, reputation, stuff like that. 
you know, the, you have to do work on the DM side or the GM side to. I'm just imagining like the players deep into the campaign. Some some guy just storms into the tea house they're in, and he's just he's like super badass, and everyone around him is like, oh my god. It's Chicken Win, and he's like, "You three, you're the one who settled me with this terrible name. I've been Chicken Win for the last ten years. Now you're gonna die." <laughs> that's well. You could do funny things like that. You can have the the nickname that's underwhelming and and conceals a real martial badass, but you can also do the opposite, where it's like you know the you know I, there was a character. I think it was in. Um, so we're gonna talk about this on Monday with 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 uh, with Deathblade in the Legends of Overgate book. There was a, there's a character, I think his name was Murderous Killing Bear or something like that. It was something like, and, and if I recall, I could be wrong. If I recall, he ends up not being as, 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 uh, as powerful as the nickname suggests. You know, he, he dies pretty quickly. Um, I could be wrong, but that's my memory. That would be a lot more dangerous. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like doing, it's like the Indiana Jones thing where he, where, where he pulls out the gun and shoots the swordsman. I, oh, I yeah. like that kind of, those kind of moments can be fun, especially if the players are all nervous and think they're going up against a real terrible, you know, uh, powerful foe. Um, yeah, so, sometimes just making, making it a surprise cakewalk is very satisfying on both, uh, both sides of the screen. So well, my favorite thing I did is, um, I had a, I had a character who is like the, at the time that I made him, he was the most powerful character in the martial world. His name was Reckless Storm. And he was just this madman. He was just difficult. You know, you couldn't really control him. He was one of these crazy, not quite villain, not quite hero. He just was sort of somewhere in between, but all, but capable of destruction at any given moment. And I had somebody pretending to be him who didn't know any martial arts. And, and, and it was always fun to sort of... And again, that's a wuxia trope, like somebody pretending to be a person that they're not, particularly a famous martial hero. That can be really exciting because, say, they meet the guy who's pretending to be Reckless Storm, right? Then, you know, and, 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 and they think it's him and they act all scared, but then they find out through trial and error that it's not really him. Then later on, they can meet the real Reckless Storm. And maybe they don't, you know, <laughs> you know maybe, maybe they don't believe him. You know, it's, you know, stuff like that can be, can be really entertaining. You, you can never plan it out exactly. You don't know how players are going to react, but that's half the fun. You know? But the situation is what makes that fun. That situation is a trope. Again, yeah. we're going back into like looking at the, just the tropes of the genre and saying, but like, what if we just put it in a game? Yeah. A lot of times, because you can't predict the way it's going to manifest or how the characters are going to react to it, the, the trope itself wasn't the problem. The, the trope is only irritating if it becomes cliched at every point. Yeah. And since you don't know how it's going to manifest... I mean, man, put it in there. See what happens. Well, and you want to encounter tropes. If, if, if I'm playing in a wuxia game, I'm expecting certain tropes will come up, right? Like, that's, yeah, that's sort of what I want. Um, so you're going you're gonna to expect them. And, and I think, uh, I think the, way to, the way to get good at it, like, like, I don't know, did this movie introduce anything to you that you were unaware of before? Or was it just, was it, was it stuff that you feel you already knew from wuxia? Yeah, this, this is all pretty well worn. I mean, like, there's nothing in here that was really like stand out as like a, a new concept that was brought to the table. But mm. I'm not complaining. This movie was great. And so I think, um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, the so you've probably so so how many move how many movies have we watched so far? Was it been like eighteen or something? Nineteen. It's been a number. Yeah, yeah, we've been doing this for like what a year or something. It's Over a year. Over a year. Wow, it doesn't feel that long, but okay. So, yeah, so I mean, I think the key is to watch a lot of wuxia, to read wuxia, you know, like, uh, that's that's how you 
develop familiarity with the concepts i think with the, with the tropes and the you know the things that people are going to expect to see in a game like this um and and i think this is this is a movie that again kind of like come drink with me you could easily rip this and turn it into an adventure very easily uh, yeah, it's, it's got a very direct and straightforward structure. It's not hard to turn this into something you need to do it at a table. And that, and the whole plot is really cool. Like this idea that people are being murdered because they don't have talismans to protect them against ghosts, but it's really just an evil temple led by this black demon guy behind the scenes. Uh, and it's all and 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 so it's like a double fake. It's like number one, it's they're pretending to be ghosts. It's really just sort of a a, a racket. Uh, but then number two, the racket's whole purpose is to draw out this martial heroine named Lady Lady Hermit. Um, so you sort of have this 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 really cool mystery adventure if the players are coming at it from that angle, you know. Uh, yeah, and, and how great would it be to encounter this as a player? Just imagine it like you get you're a, you're a martial hero. You go to this town, you know, like they're like, oh, we're being played by ghosts. So you have to buy these really expensive talismans. They're provided by Lady Hermit, but they're really expensive, and people die if they don't have them. So the players like thought clearly they would call that bluff and be like, "We gotta whoop this lady hermit's ass." Yep. Then they they do they they fight all the bad guys, but when they tear the the veil off lady hermit, it's just some sniveling dude who's like, "You know, this, you're not lady hermit. We were trying yeah. to lure her out." Well, and all of a sudden you're like, "Wait, what?" Then she shows up. <laughs> I think one thing that this movie is also very good for is it'll give you an idea as a GM of how to run a master character that a player character has attached themselves to or wants to learn from. Do you know what I mean? Like it, you get a real complete sense of how that relationship is meant to work of what the motivations of the master are and how a master might conduct themselves in the presence of the student. And, you know, obviously there, this is a common thing in a lot of these movies, but I just think that this particular relationship, it's so important to the film that it gets a lot of, it gets a lot of attention over the course of the movie. Wouldn't you say? It does. Uh, it, it's an almost central place in the movie. And again, there's nothing really surprising about it. it it's just that it's, it's, it is a very good kind of er example of this. Like you, yeah. could, you could refer to this and say, well, this is really kind of how it's done. Most basic template. That's useful. That's actually extremely useful yeah. to have as a reference point. Uh, not every a, a lot of the other wushu movies we see uh, kind of do a spin on the master student relationship, or they they make it a little more complicated. This yep. is a lot more straightforward. Yeah, and it's not the movie's detriment, not at all. And you also get a very clear sense of how the 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 technique that she's training in to overcome the bad guy, and how mm -hmm. that could be sort of a point in the campaign. Um, obviously, that's going to be very system dependent. Because yeah, you know, it, if the system doesn't give you the flexibility, you could be in trouble there. Um, but yeah, it, it's almost not even flexibility. I want to say that's rigidity, because it's almost nothing beats that technique except this special counter technique. That's a real kind of rock paper scissors design, mm -hmm. and some degree of that's really fun in the system, and some degree of that can be really deprotagonizing because if you've been adventuring and getting cool techniques and getting powerful and then all of a sudden there's one guy with one power that completely wails on you that's a little unsatisfying now, again that's that's kind of part and parcel of the genre it's just a rare spice you want to make sure you use it appropriately well you want to use you also want to make sure that it can eventually be overcome in some way you know like that would be the i think i think with this one too what I'm thinking of also is just the player's ability to learn or develop a technique like this, right? Mm. But I guess I guess that isn't so setting system dependent because 
she's been spending three years developing this. So even in a game where you're not allowed to advance or gain a new technique based on level or whatever, it, that's still reasonable because you could just say, well, that's why it's taking three years for her to uh, to, to develop the technique. Um, uh, yeah, you almost have like an R&D thing going on with that. Mm-hmm. And um, not every system cares enough to have an R&D element to it. You know, I, I can't. I can probably name a handful of systems that do it, and even a smaller number that do it well. It's it's kind of hard to put in because with the R and D stuff, that that central problem is okay. So if you have a technique that you kind of can't overcome without another one, or a power you can't overcome without developing one, the game becomes about developing it, yeah. and that's a lot less interesting to engage in than say going on an adventure and fighting bad but player, guys. But- not necessarily. Players often really like that kind of stuff. I've had players that are like, "I have this technique. I want to work on it." And like, it's 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 maybe a little boring for the GM, but I find the players are the ones who really like it. What I've found is this: so when I, the way that I do it is, uh, the more broad application a technique has, the more I want the potential damage output to be kind of on the lower end. The more mm-hmm. narrow the more comfortable I am with the damage output being high. Do you know what I mean? So in this case, she has a technique that's pretty much just designed to deal with Black Claw Demon, right? Or Black Demon's Black Claw technique. Yeah, she she only uses it once, really, when you think about it. That's the only time it manifests. So if we frame... So in Ogre Gate, what I would probably do is make this the Black Claw Demon counter, right? And then it would... And so maybe it does massive wounds against that attack, but otherwise it doesn't really... It's not that useful. Do you know what I mean? Maybe it's like minimally yeah. useful, or you can't really as, use as it against. As a generally them. useful thing, it's probably not as powerful. Yeah. When it's against the one thing that's designed to be the Achilles heel, though, it, it can, yeah, it can kind of blow up with damage. That's neat. Uh, again, very direct, uncomplex design that makes it satisfying to manifest, especially because long you lose the power whenever you kill Black Claw Demon, you you win. And also, you've got a reasonably decent technique on top of that that you can now teach to other people. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that if you pull out the time frame enough, that just kind of becomes basically like any other power in the game. Uh, like, if you, you know, 100 years down the road, people are like, oh, yeah, that technique, it's okay. No one yeah. really uses Black Claw anymore because of that. No, and, and that's sort of how these that's how these things sort of operate is, you know, the, the landscape evolves and changes and, you know, it, eventually, you know, new people rise up and become the new big heroes in the martial world. You know, so, you know, actually that makes a very simple and approachable paradigm. Cause you have like this broad pre-existing set of techniques that are more or less balanced against one another. This technique has a counter, this technique has a counter. So the way, the way the drama works is that a new technique is developed with no counter and the drama exists until the counter is yes. created. Yes. The the villain gets vanquished, and then they just kind of get put into the general pile of techniques everyone can know. That's now so, perfectly balanced, having found its match. In Ogregate, there's a section, oh. I think it's called the Evolution of the Martial World. It's just like a sidebar, but it talks about that. And that's the concept that I was trying to talk about, which is, um, you know, it's okay to have imbalance in a game because you can, in, in a martial arts setting, balance can be dealt with by the creation of new techniques right like if somebody's if somebody if somebody has an overpowered technique that's fine because that happens in the martial world and then what ends up occurring is people band together and they try to kill that guy or they come up with a technique 
that counters that guy's technique. Do you know what I'm saying? So mm. that's that's sort of the way that I've approached it. I, I find that that's really cool because it produces the drama that you're talking about. It produces you're the right. stuff like I we saw in this movie. And this was a film I was thinking of when I was coming up with that that idea. Yeah, it's very clear in the structure of this film. I think that the trap you might fall into is if you didn't realize that you're not supposed to escalate with the second technique, mm-hmm. you could fall into like this eternal escalation, which would make other techniques like the the body of techniques would become obsolete after a certain point because we would have escalated past that point. But if you're not escalating, if you're just if you're just adding techniques based on not having a reasonable counter, mm-hmm. you don't actually ever throw the general power curb ever. All you do is make certain that the balancing factor that mitigates that power curb isn't there at first. Yes. That's quite a freaking insight, Brendan. Uh, I didn't realize that until this conversation. Well, and, and there's another thing that, that door swings the other way. Like if you want, like, like, like I was saying, the more narrow the application technique, the more powerful it can be. That can apply to both counters and to general techniques, I think. Do you know what I mean? So like, you know, uh, if somebody has a general technique, you know, I would, I would prefer to be sort of at a certain level. And then if they have a more narrow focus technique, I, I'm more comfortable with it getting up here. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Again, though, every once in a while, you kind of have to allow for some spikes. You know what I mean? You have to allow for exceptions so that the landscape is interesting, right? You have to have somebody who makes like a massive breakthrough and is killing a bunch of people. You have to have a Silver Rock type character, right? You do. And you when know? you think about it, this is like... If Silver Rock had survived, he would have eventually been Black Demon. Yeah, you know, because it's not like he was going down a good path. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, he wouldn't have been. Obviously, he was a swordsman. He wasn't. He didn't have those claws. But like, he would. That's the type of person he would have ended up being. In, in possibly, um, mm-hmm. he might have even been worse. Because at least Black Demon, he wasn't like he was like a big kid, right? Like Black Demon. It was enjoying himself being the number one in the martial world. That's all he, you know, he didn't really care about going out and vindictively killing a ton of people unless they irritated him, right? But yeah, he, he didn't. Like, he, he created much more stable situations than Silver Rock did. But, Silver Rock was a destroyer, whereas Black Demon was basically just a big bully. Well, Silver Rock is an ideologue, and Black Demon isn't an ideologue. And I think that's the big difference. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like there's a. Uh, there's a bigger danger when somebody's as much of an ideologue as Silver Rock is because they could commit massive atrocities on principle alone. I don't think Black Demon's ever going to do anything out of principle. You know, it's it's uh, yeah, it's, he's unprincipled. That's yeah. part of the fun thing that makes him fun. Yeah. And it's maybe one of the things that contains his evil a little bit. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. I think that you got something there. Um, you but, have revealed much wisdom to me this day. Yeah, yeah maybe maybe we'll quit while we're ahead because we're already at the uh, one hour and ten minutes. <laughs> I'm overdue for saying something stupid. We yeah. should cut this short. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I already said plenty of stupid things yesterday, so I, I'd like to I'd like to minimize my 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 stupid sayings today. Um, but yeah, I don't. Know, do you have anything else to add on the movie before we? No, like I, I think we could go on about this movie quite a bit because it is very classic in the sense of its structure and what have you. Um, frankly, we've done, we've covered so much ground and gotten so much out of it. Oh man, this has been great. Good movie. Good conversation. Yes. The movie is Lady Hermit. I highly recommend people go on to prime and watch it if they haven't seen it again. Chang Pepe, she's the queen of swords. She's phenomenal, uh, sort of martial arts action star. And she's a phenomenal dramatic actress as well. And you can see that Mm. especially in like her more recent work, but you, you see it in films like this. And, I, I, this is this is one of the this is probably like the 
if I had to pick one I would show to people, this is the one that I would like to pick. I've gotten different reactions from folks, though, so I never really quite know where to start with a given you know, actor or actress if I'm trying to promote them and trying to get people to watch their stuff. But I, I feel like this is the one that... This is the film that is really at the... It feels like it's 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 most at her level. Do you know what I mean? It feels like this is the most this 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 one really gives her her due as a as an action star, um, and and it's done well. I think I think I think it's easy to overlook a a, a Ho Ming Hua film. You know what I mean? It's easy to sort of focus more on a Cheng Che director or a uh, a Choi Yuen type or a Lao Kar Lung, but but uh, but he he's a really reliable director in my opinion. And, and, uh, and he doesn't, he doesn't always do it with the same, I don't know what the word is. He doesn't have the same flair sometimes as some of the other guys, but he doesn't, I would, I would use the terms competence and subtlety when describing this movie, as far as like its structure and how it looked. So it's, it's solid all the way through. It's solid as a rock. And like you were mentioning earlier, there are just these little, little flares, little flourishes and elements that are almost subliminal that yeah. make the movie really not only fun to watch, but fun to even think about and discuss. Well, like just to give an example, there's that scene at the temple where the old man goes out and speaks to Chui Ping, and you can see all of the people going in and out of the temple in the background as he's talking to her. Do you remember that scene? I do. And that, that to me, it reminds me of the, uh, I don't know if you've seen Spartacus, the Stanley Kubrick movie. No, it's not the it's not one of the Kubricks I've seen. I've seen Clockwork Orange and Two Thousand One and a bunch of stuff. But so number one, you should absolutely see Spartacus. It's a it's a it's, uh, number two. It's not like a typical Kubrick film because it's still kind of it, it, you don't. It doesn't feel like he has the full freedom to do whatever he wants, like he does in some of his later movies. Do you know what I mean? He's still yeah. sort of doing what the the studio wants. But it's still got the Kubrick stamp on it at many points in the film, and 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 it also. I think there are a couple of different versions because there were some things that were not allowed into the initial release that they later put back in. Um, so, you know, just be on the lookout for the fact that there are different versions of it. But there's mm. this great scene where one of the characters is a, is a Roman, I think he's like a Roman general or something, or a Roman politician. And, and he's giving a speech to a person who he's trying to intimidate. And he's telling them, he's basically saying, like, you cannot stand up to Rome. Jimmy's saying like this is what Rome is and he's standing in the room and behind him you see these legions all dressed in red marching like it's just this massive trail of Roman soldiers it looks phenomenal and and he's in the whole speech he's going Rome Rome this Rome that you think you boy can stand up to Rome it's like this this really powerful speech that's backed up by the backdrop and I feel like that scene was probably it had to have been inspired a little bit by that by the Spartacus scene I have in my mind. Well, um, and, and much like that scene, the, the, the scene with the line shows the scope of what is happening here. Yeah. This, this is not a local problem. This, this is gigantic. Yeah. Cause it's, it's enormous number of people. It's just like a tra- train of people going in and out of that temple, buying 10 tail, uh, talismans to, to, you know, so that they don't get murdered. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's very effective because you, you see this sort of... And again, it's the same actor that plays the weak old man in Come Drink With Me when the little boy gets killed. Do you For remember real? that? That's the same guy? I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. I'd have to double check it to be 100% sure, but I'm like That's 99% a... sure it's the same guy. 
We need to cast a weak old man. Who's the one actor we have for that in all well, of China? I, I think Don't worry, I think, I'm here. No, I think they did it because I think it's a callback to come drink with me. Do you know what I mean? I think like you know, it's, I, it's, I, know. I just think it's funny that there's only one guy who can do that. Well, because think about it. Come drink with me. The the bad guys are all operating out of a temple, right? Mm-hmm. This is operating out of a temple. It's a similar type of thing. They're mer- they're mercilessly killing people. You know, it's it's it's, it's all very sort of similar. Um, that is. So uh, you know, so I don't know. I, and again, I'd have to double check to be a hundred percent sure that actor's the same. But I'm like, I'm like ninety nine point nine 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 percent sure it's the same guy. That that is one hundred percent a callback. If it is, there's no way you could you could have the same actor doing almost the same role and not make that a nod. You know, that can't be a coincidence. No, and, and that was a very powerful moment because, like you said, you see, you, you contrast the scope of the scheme with the weak, feeble old man explaining to her what's going on. You know, it's a, it's it's, it's very effective. Yeah, so. it communicates visually, which is something that movies are supposed to do. This movie does a lot of communicating visually, and like I said, that. That makes it almost subliminal because you're just watching a movie like you would naturally do. But your mind is learning all this stuff. It's, it's eating in this imagery and it's taking in the meaning of it. And so you're not, you're not using your forebrain to process that. You're using your forebrain to process how freaking awesome all this stuff is and how cool the characters are and the intensity of their emotional moments. But the context is, is already in there. It's already yeah. getting like fed to you. It's great. Really great stuff. So yeah, so uh, so go check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's definitely worth watching. And Cheng Pei is somebody that you want to follow and you want to see her films if you can. Um, a lot of these are becoming available on Prime, so watch them while they're there because they won't necessarily be there forever. So if you have Prime, watch it there. I think some of the stuff might be on Netflix. I don't think I've seen Lady Hermit there, though. Uh, so yeah, so uh, again, tonight we would have normally had Wushu Weekend, but we had a little bit of a mix-up, so we're going to do Wushu Weekend tomorrow, and tomorrow we're going to do A Moment of Romance, and so uh, so this will be in place of our normal um, Wushu Weekend, and uh, and yeah, so, and, and me and Joel will talk about what we're going to do next, and until then, we will talk to you later. Bye.